Mr. Moore first won a testimony on a three-on-three basketball uh, there yesterday. Justin's going to come give that. Let's give him a hand as he comes up here. Yeah. Amen. Oh, man. Uh, uh, it was interesting. Um, definitely, you know, building up to it. Basketball is my thing, you know. It used to be my thing, whatever y'all want to say. But I love basketball. Um, trying to stay young, exercise, stay in shape, good uh, thing. And build brotherhood and stuff like that, too. So, um Anyway, just building up to it, uh, not 100%. So I was uh, wanted to kind of play, but really wasn't sure I wanted to play. But I was really kind of like trying to get my mind wrapped around just the opportunity of the people, the setting and everything, and trying to separate the experience of basketball versus the experience of winning souls and talking to people and building. So um, within myself, you know, I'm just sitting up here like prepping. I'm like, man, I can't play. So it's like taking my mind off the excitement. I'm not as amped, y'all. I ain't gonna lie. I'm not as amped. I'm like, oh man, well, I'll play. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But anyway, I'm just like, God help me to, you know, see it for what it is, you know, to get the big picture. What, why are we doing this? You know what I'm saying? It's not just about, you know, athleticism and competition and winning. You know, these guys, besides everybody in here, the guys that we're going to be there are going to trash us anyway. We know we ain't ballers like that. So, And we experienced that at a high level. It was fun. Um, but it was good to, to come together and have that, you know, built up within us. And so um, as, as we're there, not to be long-winded, y'all know I'm long-winded, but um, as I'm there, uh, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, all right, Lord, help me out, you know, trying to, you know, get loose or whatever, mess around. Hey, I'll sub or whatever. Anybody need me? I'm not ready. But um, <laughs> but, um, but um, I'm just like, Lord, help, help, you know, prepare my heart for the, you know, situation and stuff. And so it's a lot going on. A lot of people, great turnout. Um Got waters, everything going, you know. Um, and so I'm just like overwhelmed actually with the amount of people there are. And I'm just like, okay, who do we, how do we, and so, you know, and just win. So we got these flyers, but I'm like, I don't want to give them the flyers now because they're not going to really, you know, we're playing basketball. So I kind of was like trying to ask God to help me and strategize. So had the experience um, just trying to, you know, kind of one on one with guys, you know, um, instead of trying to like catch a crowd or talk to people. Um, to sum it up, I was able to build, uh, with a couple guys. Um, one guy was really open. Um, uh, he pretty much just shared his whole life with me and, um, hope to see him come out. I, I believe God, he's going to come out then and, um, got a chance to pray with a guy, um, pray with three other guys. And, um, you know, just just a, a good opportunity. But I think that we should build upon that. And I, I and uh, get some other guys. We're going to kind of like try to work that as another field for us uh, ballers. So um, it was a blessing. Great turnout. Anytime we have these events or anything associated with, um, you know, just reaching people, something community tied or something. I encourage you to come out. You know, um, I know Saturdays we got busy weeks and things like that. But um, it's 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 it's. It's a, a big deal to, you know, to, to, to wake up and understand that we're living because God put us here. You know, our life is not our own unless you want it to be. And so I think when you become selfless, God will really use you, whether you know this or know that. And uh, it can really encourage you and help you even in a downtime in life because God wants to encourage you through others and what he can do through you. And so I encourage you. Great time. And, uh, yep, that's all I got. Yeah, we're going to do one of the very special things this morning. We're going to have a baby dedication. Chris and Kirsten are going to bring little Lily up. 
Amen. We're going to dedicate her to the Lord this morning. I told Christian, I said, both your babies look just alike. <laughs> Man, so we're going to have a testimony from them first. We'll let Chris go first. I got it turned on. Let me hold her. Yeah, little girl, what's up? Yeah. All right, good morning. So um, this morning, we want to dedicate little Liliana. I call her Lily, Lily Billy for short. That's my little thing. But um, uh, we're so thankful for Lily. Um, she came into our lives and to our marriage and family at a critical time and everything, uh, born last year in August. And uh, we're just so thankful for her because she's just a big joy. That what she brings and offers to our family. You know, I come home and everything, and she just smiles and she reaches reaches out for love and embrace and things like that. And so, um, you know, we just want to just continue just to uh, impart what we're doing with our other children. You know, as she gets out of nursery, go to children's church. And then at night, you know, we pray and read with our children and still the word of God and with them. My wife, she does really good at that and everything. And we're just so thankful for Lily. You know, she just, she's just amazing, a big bundle of joy and everything. And so, amen. Thank you. So, um, like you said, Lily is a really big bundle of joy. She's always happy, um, and my pregnancy with her was a very easy pregnancy. Um, besides going into labor early, um, as soon as she came out, she was smiling. She was always, um, she's always happy. She's really easy to take care of. She doesn't really scream and stuff like that. She's never had any issues with colic or anything. She's like a really big blessing. She is so easy to take care of. And, um, you know, her brother and sisters, they, well, sister, they love her, <laughs> brother and sister, you know, they both love her and they fight over taking care of her and stuff like that. But um, she was really just like a big blessing. Um, I know to me personally, just um, with the other two, um, it was just a lot going on with, with the pregnancy with um, them two and with, with her. But um, God just helped me to see, like, um, she really is, like, my lily in the valley. When I prayed and just asked God, like, the circumstances surrounding the pregnancy, I was like, God, um, I just need some joy in my life right now. I need some victories. And at first, um, we weren't really too happy to have her because of the circumstances. But um, with counseling and um, praying, God specifically told me, like, she was my lily in the valley, like, just in that low place, like this light that shines, like something beautiful that God makes for you when you're in the pit. So she's my little Lily in the valley. Okay, so we're going to pray. Uh, God give them wisdom, raising their little baby. Uh, God protect her, give her good health as she grows in life. Got to do something powerful through her, with her in life. Uh, she grows older. Pray for dad and mom to have wisdom, uh, have just timing, raising her baby, making decisions. So let's lift our hands. Let's stretch our hands forward. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now. God, little Lily, I pray God touch her to a miracle. God, in her life as she grows, God, give her your mind. God, keep her in good health. Direct her steps, I pray. Give her wisdom in life. God, be able to navigate things successfully. God, your hand be upon her. God, use her powerfully. God, I pray for Chris. God, touch him. Help him, God, be a protector, provider. God, be there for her. God, as she grows, God, she's going to need her dad. I pray, God, touch him, help him. Kirsten, I pray, God, touch her, God, is to be. Help her be a great mom. We know she already is. I pray, help her, give her wisdom, direction. 
God, as this baby grows, God, help them together. Raise her. God, be successful. God, be healthy in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. They asked, can we dedicate her on Father's Day? I said, absolutely. I mean, what a great day to dedicate your baby on. Amen. Amen. So I want to go to Joshua 24, if you've got your Bibles, Joshua 24. Amen. I got a few quotes of different people saying different things about their father. I just want to read a couple to you. It says, my father taught me to have, my father taught me to have to believe in myself. My father taught me to believe in myself and run my own, run on my own track. My father taught me not to overthink things. Another one said that nothing will ever be perfect. So just keep moving and doing your best. Another person said, my father said, there are two kinds of people in the world, givers and takers. The takers may eat better, but the givers sleep better. Another one said, my father taught me a good lesson. Don't get too low when things are wrong. Don't get too high when things are good. Another man, Shaquille Neal, you might know him. He said these words, my father made me who I am. He gave me a basketball and told me to play with the ball, sleep with the ball, and dream with the ball. Another person said, my father taught me that one of the most important abilities in life is to be able to take the pain and persevere, and for years this lesson has served me well. Another said, it was my father who taught me the value of myself. He gave me, uh, or he told me that I was uh, uncommonly beautiful, and that was the most precious thing in life. Now these, there's a lot more I could have put in there, but these were just... Sons and daughters saying, uh, thank you, Dad. Uh, amen. So that in mind, God bless all the fathers this morning. Let's go to Joshua 24. Because our text is about a father's message to his family and to a nation. We're going to start verse 14. It says, now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your father, uh, whether the gods your father served on the other side of the river, or the god the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I'm asking you this morning, God, to bless the word. God, let every father leave this place, God, full of confidence in you. God, give us dominion. God, give us revelation of raising our children. Help us, God, in this difficult hour to raise godly kids. Uh, God, children that would represent you in life, I pray, help us. We're calling on you in Jesus' mighty name. God, people say, amen. I want to preach on godly fathers this morning, godly fathers. Look at first, uh, a, father, a father's clear voice, a father's clear voice. Our text is about a people that have been delivered from Egypt, from the house of bondage. They have crossed the Jordan River. They're in the promised land. They've driven out much of the enemy. They, have, uh, they haven't, uh, amen, they've got all this success, but they haven't made a clear-cut decision to serve the Lord. So they've done all these amazing things in life. They've, they're in the will of God. They're trafficking in the things of God but they have not made a clear-cut decision who they will serve. 
You know, I know fathers out there in the world have problems. But I don't want to talk about them. I want to talk about the fathers that we have in here this morning. Because our text, Joshua is not talking about the fathers in Egypt. Nor are they talking about the fathers among the people they lived, the Amorites. But he's talking to the fathers in the camp of Israel. And he brings them to a decision, verse 15. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. So he's bringing these fathers uh, to a decision. Who they're going to serve. Now you would think after all they've experienced for God, the ten plagues in Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the pillar of cloud and fire, manna from heaven, water from rock, the Ten Commandments, that their decision to serve God would have been made already. Right? You would think that all that God has done for them, uh, they would be able to see that process that, listen, we're going to serve God. He's given us all these miracles uh, we're making up our mind we're going to serve God. Verse 15, Joshua, in the midst of the camp of Israel, says with a clear and loud voice, uh, after me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And don't you think God, his kids were glad. His wife was glad. Uh, he makes a decision. Listen, uh, I've already made a decision, but I'm speaking it out loud. Uh, after me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Uh, can you say amen? Fathers are the rock of the family. Fathers are the cornerstone of the home this morning. Here's some statistics. Fathers that, or children that grow up with an engaged father are less likely to drop out of school or wind up in jail. They tend to avoid high-risk behaviors. Uh, they're less likely to have sex. They're more likely to have high-paying jobs and healthy, stable relationships when they grow up. They tend to have higher IQ uh, tests. Thank you. Higher IQ tests by the age of three and endure fewer psychological problems throughout their life. A study showed that fatherhood starts at birth. Infant, infant uh, uh, obtain higher uh, uh, cognitive scores at age one if their fathers are involved in their lives from uh, one month old. Preterm infants a similar score higher at 36 months if their dads play an active role from birth. Fathers affect boys and girls equally, but when hormones kick in, studies show that daughters need their dads even more. Daughters that have a strong relationship with their fathers are less likely to engage in sexual activity. So these are studies that have been proven. They've, uh, they've uh, you know, years of gathering info, uh, and they've proven the fathers need it. They've proven when the fathers in the house active with the children uh, Listen, the children do much better in life. You know, God already knew this, all, all of this. Uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 1, God tells Israel, Love the Lord your God, keep His requirements and degrees, His laws and His commands. Then He says this, Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, His majesty, His mighty hand, and His arm. The verse 19, He says this, uh, he tells them to teach them to his children, uh, uh, talking about them when they sit down at the home, when they walk along the road, when they lie down, and when they get up. In other words, he's telling his father, spend time with your children, and as you spend time with them, uh, tell them what God's done. As you spend time with your children, tell them the good things that God has done, uh, all that God has already planned to do in our life. Speak to them, build relationships around uh, the things of God with your children. Let me ask you, fathers, are you spending time with your children? 
Joshua's statement shows us the relationship he had with his children. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, that's a father's confidence in saying that. He says it with confidence. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He's probably looking at his wife and children as he says this. Uh, there's no ifs or maybes, uh, but listen, we're going to serve God. In other words, they've already made up their decision. This is what we're doing. Uh, as a family, Joshua's heading that family up. We're going to serve God. He has a clear voice for that family. We're going to serve God. We're going to do the will of God. That's needed today. So how do we become men like Joshua? Men with a clear voice to our children and to our family. Men that have a clear voice, one are men of principle. The principle means fundamental truths that serve as the foundation of beliefs and behaviors. So I wrote down a few things that helped Joshua become the man he was. One, uh, Joshua had a desire for God, Exodus 24. So then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give tablets of stones and the law of the commandments, which I have written, that you may teach them. Verse 13, so Moses also with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain uh, to God. Joshua with Moses went up the mountain uh, to meet with God. Uh, this tells me that Joshua has a desire uh, uh, to know God. He's telling Moses, listen, let me come. Uh, let me be a part of this. And they had a relationship together. He brings him up. Uh, there's something about the heart of Joshua we see here. He has a desire to know God. This is the one thing, I, a principle that every man needs to. Joshua lived clean. Exodus 32, you know the story, Aaron made a golden calf. And the Bible said as he made the golden calf, all of Israel played the harlot. They're taking off their clothes. Uh, they're involved in sexual uh, immorality as they ran around the golden calf. But Joshua stayed on the mountain. He's waiting for Elijah. I'm living clean. I'm not going to be a part of any of that nonsense. Uh, so he had a desire for God. He's living clean. Third, he's a fighter. Exodus 17, uh, 8, the Amalekites came and attacked Israel. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of the men and go out and fight the Amorites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill, the staff in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites uh, as Moses had ordered him. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the mountain, verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You know, I hear testimonies here. Men will say, man, I'm a street fighter. Come on. Man, I'm just taking on three or four guys at one time. I'm a street fighter. Well, can you fight for your family? Will you fight for your marriage, your children in the house of God? For Joshua loved the Bible. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything that's written in it. Uh, then you will be prosperous and successful. Let me ask your fathers, do you read your Bible in front of your children? Do they have an image of you opening your Bible and reading it? Uh, Joshua had a love for the Word of God. Five, Joshua believed God. Joshua 6.1. So when the gates of Israel were securely uh, barred uh, because the Israelites, no one went out or came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hand, along with his kings and his fighting men. March around the city once with all the men, our men. 
Do this six, for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And the priests, uh, uh, when the, with the priests blowing the trumpets, when you hear this, the, them sound a long blast on the trumpet, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Now think about this. Joshua is a military commander. Marching around the city is not a good strategy. Sending missiles over the wall. That's what Joshua is used to doing. Listen, uh, whatever their missiles was back there, fireballs, bombs, uh, that's how he, you win battles. So for Joshua to listen to God, I'm going to march around. He's believing God. This is a statement of faith and believing. I'm going to do this God's way. Uh, and many, I'm telling you, that's a sign of a godly man when a man said, I'm going to do this God's way. Not what I think, not what I want, not what I believe that will work, but I'm going to do this God's way. So Joshua believed God. Six, Joshua worshipped. Uh, Joshua 8.30, and Joshua built uh, on Mount Eob uh, an altar of the Lord and called upon God. Uh, he's a worshiper. Amen. He's not embarrassed in front of the whole company. He's raising his hands. He's building an altar. He's sacrificing. He's worshiping to the Lord. Seven, Joshua blessed the people of God. Joshua 22.6, and Joshua blessed them and sent them away and they went to their homes. Listen, to have a clear voice to your children, your family, you're going to have to be a man of principle. You can't say one thing in your life, say another. Joshua, what was so powerful about this man, uh, he was the same in public and at home. Uh, what he said he did, uh, he's a man of principle. And that's why when he said, as for me and my family, we're going to serve God, no doubt his kids were in the back, yes, let's do it. His wife was there because he's a man of principle. Let me ask you, men, are you men of principle? When you say something to your children, raise their eyebrows. Well, they say, let's do it. Look, secondly, the gods of this world. Joshua and the men of Israel, like you and I, they weren't always in church. Uh, Israel lived in sin and bondage for many years. Uh, Egypt had made its mark on these men. Think about Israel. 430 years they lived in Egypt and sin and bondage. Uh, so what was in Egypt eventually got on them. What was in, they became their surroundings like most of us do in the world. Uh, we become what we're surrounded with most of the time. And so this was Israel. Uh, and some of the plagues that God brought upon Egypt, God brought, was bringing judgment upon these gods, uh, showing Israel, listen, you can't serve God and serve these idols. Uh, Egypt had idols like frogs, flies, and cattle, and, and many other things. And remember when God brought the ten plates, He judged these. He was telling the men of Israel, listen, uh, if you're going to serve God, you can't have these idols in your life. Uh, God judged them. Our text, these people have been delivered, but they're still wrestling with uh, worldly bondages and strongholds, things that they have served uh, back in the day. Joshua said, if you're going to live for God, uh, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Uh, so as being a man of God, we have to choose uh, God or the world. They can't work together. You're not going to be able to bow down to the world uh, and serve God at the same time. Joshua knows this, uh, but he sees the problem in the house of God at that time. They're trying to do both. 
You know, Egypt had an idol for everybody. If you've ever seen, you got to pull up some time uh, on Google, show me Egypt's idols. They got a million of them. I wrote down a few of them just to show you. They have, a, they have an idol for everybody. Uh, one was a man's body and a goat's head. Now, he's supposed to make the sun and moon shine upon you and all you do. One, another was called Moat, uh, a naked woman, the god of fertility. Another was called uh, Osiris, a mighty warrior, king of the living. Uh, another man uh, in a warrior's outfit uh, was standing there. Uh, his name is Horus. Uh, uh, he, he was the god of vengeance. Uh, another was a man with a lion bound down him, a god of knowledge. But they had all these gods. Uh, you can pick whichever god you want. Uh, you want to bow down to the God of knowledge? You want to bow down to the, the moon and sun God? Uh, whatever you want. And people do that today. There's a thousand different things that people, that men especially, can bow down to. Uh, uh, we laugh at these silly looking idols, uh, but then we're different times. But today, men has their own idols. Uh, we don't always make funny looking statues and bow down to them. Uh, but many men are bound, enslaved, have ruined lives, and been destroyed uh, by these idols. So this is Father's Day, so I want to mention a few idols uh, that are destroying men today. One, the top of the list is pornography. 12 to 30 million, mostly men, uh, in America are addicted to pornography. That's a lot of men. And the house of God is not exempt from this. So pornography is the most damaging thing uh, among men today. Men that are addicted to porno uh, have at least 32 sexual partners in their lifetime. But listen to this, 80% of the people addicted to porn, mostly men, become depressed, have mood disorders, develop emotional and physical problems. 60% develop eating disorders. Uh, so pornography, one's a lie. It's a bondage from hell. They're not even real. They're just images on the screen. Uh, but how many men or lives are ruined uh, every day by it? This is an idol that our generation has bowed down to. Pornography's billion-dollar business uh, is more popular than Sunday night football. That tells you how many men are in bondage, enslaved uh, to this idol. You can't serve God beyond porno. That's, that's just straight out. You cannot serve both of these. Two is gaming. 97% of men, uh, teens and young men, say they play video games. 150 million Americans say they spend too much time on video games. It says many gamers develop obsessive and compulsive behaviors uh, around their gaming use uh, that severely affects their lives and their ability to function normally. What they're saying, uh, when these men, these men are so addicted to gaming, uh, they can't function outside of that. They can't even talk to other people. They can't uh, react uh, in normal conversations. They can't respond. Uh, uh, they're, they're so game-minded. Uh, they lose the ability to function normally in life. This is a God uh, of our generation. Listen, uh, uh, I'm not a gamer. never played a game. I've never played Pac-Man a couple times. Uh, but, but I've never, so I don't know the, the bondage there, but listen, I've talked to a lot of men uh, uh, that they can't get away from this. This has so captured their mind and life that the game is everything. Three, social media. 65% of adult men are on some sort of social media, whether that be Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, 
56% of Facebook users are men. Said men spend an average of two and a half hours a day on social media. No wonder nothing gets done. Now, I'm going on record. I've never had a media account. I've never had a Facebook account, Twitter account. I don't have time for it. I don't know how men, two and a half hours a day? I mean, that's going to affect your marriage. That's going to affect your children. Think about two and a half hours a day you could be given to doing household chores. I mean, uh, spending time with your wife and children, uh, two and a half hours a day, I was amazed. Another big thing today is gambling. $40 billion a year spent on gambling in America. So there's 23 million Americans are debt-ridden due to gambling. Here's the hard facts. Only 5% of gamblers ever win. Sports gambling is the big idol today. Listen, these are idols you're going to have to judge. In our text, Joshua tells the men uh, to judge these idols. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Men, if you're going to have any dominion in life and in your marriage at work, uh, you have to judge the idols. You're going to have to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to be a part of that. Uh, that's not me. Uh, I'm living for God. Without that, you're not going to have any dominion. It's hard to have dominion when pastor calls, hey, can you do this? Well, let me finish my game. <laughs> now, you ain't going to say, hey, let me quit watching porno. Uh, uh, you wouldn't do that, but uh, listen, it, that's affecting the church as much as the world. I had a guy tell me, I only watch casual pornography. Well, casual pornography is going to send you to hell. Jesus said, you look upon a woman, that's adultery, and adultery is going to send you to hell. So I don't care if it's a minute or an hour, you're still going to hell for it. Let that sink in, man. You know, God's message to Israel over and over again, uh, as you enter into the promised land, have nothing to do with these idols. Uh, uh, they're idols, he said, will curse your life, your wives and your children. Deuteronomy 12, verse 3. Break down the altar, smash their sacred stones, uh, and burn their asher poles uh, in the fire. Cut down the idols and their gods and wipe out their name from among those places. Uh, God said, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with the idols of this world uh, because, listen, they're going to ensnare you, trap you, curse your life, your marriage, your family, uh, and ruin your life. The problem is men today don't want to believe God. God's always right. And if we just line up behind Him, we do well. Listen, men, if you don't judge these idols, they're going to greatly hinder your walk with God. Numbers 33:55. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, the, the, uh, those you allow to remain will become burrs in your eyes and thorns in your flesh. They will give you trouble in the land uh, where you will live. God said, what you don't judge is going to trouble your life. I know men uh, that have been married for a long time still on porno. Still involved in gaming. All I ain't saying you can't play a game or what. I'm talking about an addiction here. They won't judge these, uh, and because of that their their life is filled with trouble. Men, you will constantly serving God, or you will constantly struggle in serving God if you don't judge it. You know, most of the time I've seen men that constantly in Egypt had 
uh, and this, they were around Israel. Israel come out of that. They were marked by that. Uh, but God said, now this is a picture of salvation. You're saved now. You're delivered. I brought you out. Now you judge it. Judge it so you can live right, live clean, uh, be productive, have dominion, uh, and live a life of honor. Uh, and the same is true today. Hosea 14, true repentance is judging things that hinder our relationship and call in verse 3, neither uh, will we say, uh, neither will we say any more to the works of our hands, you are our God. That's true repentance. Let me ask you, men, are there things in your life that you haven't judged? I'll let you use your own mind. Are there things in your life that you haven't judged? No, I'm not doing it anymore. When I got saved, there's things immediately I judged. I'm not smoking anymore. I'm not uh, cussing anymore. I'm not running my friends anymore. They had to be judged. I had to say, I'm not watching porno. I'm not being immoral. I'm not doing that. I judged them. And listen to me, if you don't judge this, they will torment your life all the way through. So men, are you judging them? Come on, let's be real. If you want to be a godly father with a clear voice, you have to judge the world. Because your children are going to ask you one day, hey, uh, especially if you got boys, how'd you conquer that, Dad? How'd you overcome that? How'd you, you're going to have to give them an answer. And the worst answer will be, well, I haven't yet. I'm working on it. What kind of answer is that? Look, lastly, godly fathers, the need of our hour or day. You know, 18 year old uh, Salvador Orlando, the shooter that shot 19 children, two teachers who shot his grandmother in Texas, you know, he had no father. So I'm reading this story about this young man, uh, and his mom was crazy, we know that, but he had no father. He had no father to help him learn and, and get discipline from and get some wisdom from. They say 75% of all school shooters uh, have come from fatherless homes. Studies say the, the absent father... Uh, uh, the absent fathers to be one of the most powerful predictor of crime. In other words, if you don't have a father, eh, high chance of crime here. Think about that. If you don't have a father, uh, uh, think how important the father is here. Fathers, whatever it takes to be involved, stay involved. Make time for your children. Create an atmosphere where they can uh, talk to you. Purposely set time aside weekly to spend with them. Listen, they need you. Your children need you. Think how different America would be today if every father served God, stayed married, uh, and stayed involved in their children's lives. Then three things. That's what Joshua was. He said, listen, I'm serving God, I'm staying married, uh, and I'm keeping my children in the will of God. I mean, think how different life would be today. How blessed America would be today if them principles were there. Fathers, don't buy the lie that says my career is most important. Listen, I've been a father for a long time. It is possible to serve God, stay married, and work 50 to 60 hours a week and be involved in the lives of your children. I've done it for years. You can work, uh, uh, you know, guy, I'm too tired, I can't do anything. Quit it. 
I guarantee you, you're working 50 hours a week. Uh, somebody said, hey, come get a million dollars. You're going to jump up off that couch, you burn tires all the way there, and get that money. But your children say, hey, can you come out and do something? I'm too tired. Leave me alone. Verse 14, Joshua said it best. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Joshua is a man of God. He is a military commander. And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's a military commander. He was gone a lot. But listen, he made time for his children. So no excuses, dads, fathers. Be there for your children. Be an example to your children. Show your children how to love your wife, their mother, and work a full-time job and serve God. Listen, your children watch how you treat your wife, their mom. I've talked to children that are bitter today because how their dad treated their mom. Listen, they watch. You teach your children, fathers, uh, uh, how to love Maybe, you know, your boys are watching. They're going to, how you love mom, they're going to love their wife. How you treat your wife, they're going to treat their wife later. So it's no mystery some, uh, some of the things that happen today. You know, we're not in this alone, men. This is the good news. God's here to help us. Psalms 91.15. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in time of trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. You know, being a good husband, father, is hard work. It's loaded with sacrifice, but God says, I'm with you in this. Call upon me and I will give you strength. I'm going to tell you the structure of the family is going to bless you here. The structure that God blesses is this, God first. Serve Him, bring your family to church, involve yourself and your family in the will of God first. Joshua did that. Uh, He's telling the men of Israel, listen, serve God in sincerity and truth. Uh, uh, Put away the other God. Serve God, be an example of God. Get your family involved in the things of God. That's number one. Two is your marriage. Husband, love your wife. Take her places. Buy her things, appreciate her in front of her children, and let them experience a love in marriage. That's number two on God's list. Husbands, treat your wife right. You know, when the books were shut, the book of uh, Malachi, one of the reasons God didn't speak for 400 years uh, is because how the men treat their wives. What the words, the actions, how men treat... God says, you know, I'm shutting the book. So two, uh, treat your wife right. Love on her from your children. Let her see. Let your children see what a marriage is supposed to be. Three, you know, children are followers. They're imitators. They're sponges. If you do the above, you serve God first, you love your wife, uh, they're going to follow right along. You can't love your children more than your wife. It messes up the thing. And I know people like that. They're going to spend time, all kinds of time, their children, their wife. You can't do that. You've got to love your wife. But listen, if we do these three things, we serve God, uh, amen, uh, first, marriage second, children third, uh, God said I can bless that. Let me close here.
You know, like Joshua, if we're going to be good fathers, we have to have some godly principle. He had a desire. Let me run down. He had a desire for God. He lived clean. He was a fighter, read his Bible. He believed God. He worshipped. He served people. That's a good resume. If, you're, if you'll be a man of principle, if you get these in you, uh, listen, you'll be a great father. You'll be a father with a clear voice. Uh, uh, he gave them hope. He gave his children hope, his wife and the nation hope. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's some great words from a great commander and leader. I think if our president would say that today, it'd be amazing. Two, the world's filled with idols that demand you bow down to them. You know, pornography, it's meant to catch men. Catch you to such a degree where you, uh, you're bound to go spend your money, you're always going to it. That's a God. You have to break it. You have to judge it. Media, gaming, gambling, uh, there's many others. Whatever has caught your eye in the world, you have to judge it. Joshua again says, put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve Lord, let me ask you, are you willing to judge it? And three, we're not here alone. God's here to help us to be godly men. Let me read again. He who calls up on me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. That's good words to a father. I don't know how many times as a, as a father through the years, I've, I've got on my knees, God, you have to help me. God, you have to help me balance this, uh, serving you, being married, having children. Uh, and he always did. So my best memories in Africa is me and my daughter riding a bike together. And spending time together, building a relationship together. And, and I mean, just I can take time through my life. I look back and just the investment you make in your children today. I'm telling you, it gives them strength down the road to make right decisions as well. Listen, our children need us, fathers. You need to speak a clear, with a clear voice, lead them in serving God, and honor their mother, your wife. Amen? Let's bow our heads.